If you're looking for proven ways to take your fundraising results to the next level, you're in the right place. Welcome to the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast, hosted by Tammy Zonker. Tammy has trained and led thousands of nonprofit organizations to collectively raise more than a half billion dollars and is also recognized as one of America's top 20 fundraising experts. This is the podcast where Tammy equips and empowers amazing fundraising pros like you to transform your fundraising so you can transform the world. And now, let's hear from Tammy. Today, we're recording from the Nonprofit Storytelling Conference in beautiful San Diego, California. With me is Josh Meyer, VP of Marketing with Bloomerang. We love Josh and we love Bloomerang around here and are a proud partner. Of course, Bloomerang is a donor and volunteer management software that nonprofits actually love to use. Josh brings more than 20 years of fundraising, volunteer management, software, and marketing experience to his role at Bloomerang. As a member of the Bloomerang marketing team, Josh manages the organization's growth marketing efforts. He is passionate about helping create positive change and providing nonprofits with the tools and concepts to help acquire and retain donors. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me, Tammy. Oh my gosh, it's our pleasure. I'm so excited. I can't wait to hear you talk today. Are you on the schedule for today or tomorrow? Today, tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow morning. Tomorrow yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah, I'll be All good. Right. All right. So if you would, yeah. give us a brief overview of your presentation. And the title is Transform Your Relationships, How to Turn Volunteers and Donors into Super Supporters. Super excited about this presentation tomorrow. We're going to be looking at sort of that intersection, right? I think there is this slight misconception that a lot of organizations rely on volunteers. And, but there's this misconception that like volunteers aren't donors or why would I ask my volunteers to make a gift? Sure. And you sort of, you look at that and it's like, but why not? They are so vested. They're putting their time, their sweat, equity into your nonprofit. They are committed. Why wouldn't you ask them to make a gift? And we'll look at a lot of research tomorrow that sort of dispels that myth. Mm -hmm. There's actually a, a research study out of the University of Maryland where they asked uh, a number of nonprofit leaders. I'm going to mess up the stats, so I'm not going to give it exactly here. But they asked a, a number of nonprofit leaders, what are the benefits of volunteers? And a number of the common things like helps fuel the mission or like spread the mission, right? Saves money because you have sort of, you know, volunteers where you wouldn't have to pay staff. And sort of really low on that list was find new donors. And I started scratching my head. I'm like, but why? <laughs> Yeah. Because th these are some of your most committed people uh, that are tied to your organization. And so why wouldn't you ask? And so we'll dive into looking a little bit about donors and the donor retention trends and how the number of donors is going down year after year. Yeah. We'll look at sort of the overall donations and how that was flat from uh, last year to this and sort of just tie that all together and then give a, a number of tools that nonprofits can look at. How can they look at that super supporter, right? Which we're terming the person who's a volunteer and a donor. And there's probably a lot more than you think there are in your organization. Yeah. And a lot more opportunity, I suspect. I'm of the school of thought that time is more precious than money. Yeah. So if someone is giving their time, like I can make more money. Mm -hmm. I can't make more time. Right. And so volunteers are like giving the most precious thing yeah. when they give their time. And in my experience as a fundraising 
practitioner, depending on the role that the volunteer played, they can be so close to the mission, right? To really see it and feel it and touch it. Why wouldn't they want to support it with their financial gifts as well? You make a really good point there. And I think independent sector, right, does their sort of benchmark every year and sort of what is the value of a volunteer hour. And I think the average right now is around $31 an hour, right? And it varies state by state. If you live in Washington, D.C., not a state, but, you know, close enough. I used to live there in district, <laughs> right? Hopefully a state someday. The, you know, it's $50 an hour, right? But that's, it's all benchmarked. It's looking at sort of the Bureau of Labor Statistics and sort of what types of jobs volunteers do, and then they net it out. And then on the bottom end, I think you're looking at like sort of 20, the high teens with some states. But the point I wanted to make here is Chirian, who I think is going to be on an, uh, an upcoming episode that may have already aired. Yes. Um, we were chatting over coffee this morning. One of the things that he used to do when he was a fundraiser and on the day-to-day, still a fundraiser on the consultant side now, but he would take all of the volunteer hours that his volunteers would do over the year. And then he would multiply, he would use that independent sector and say, hey, you, your volunteer time equated X dollars, right? Would you consider matching that gift in, in a donation or give a portion of it. And I think that's brilliant, right? We're just not thinking about that. We're not thinking about the value of that time. And then how can we leverage that to move our missions forward? Yeah. That's really smart thinking on his part. I agree. You, Cherian, we handpicked you all for this conversation <laughs> because you just have such brilliant data-informed insights. Yeah. I just think it's extraordinary. And, and I can say too, that having worked inside a nonprofit organization, the number of times I've heard staff refer to like, oh, it's okay, they're just a volunteer. Like sadly, so often we undervalue the incredible benefit that they give to us. And we don't think of them as what, I love this term, the super supporter. Like that supporter that's giving both financially and of their own time. So love the work that Bloomerang has done to really begin looking at the data. And one of those data points that I've read from Bloomerang is that volunteers are 80% more likely to donate and, if they are already supporters, make larger gifts. Can you share some insight on really what motivates volunteers to become donors? Yeah, that stat, the 80% one, there's another one I've seen that's actually closer to 92%, right? So I think that whatever stat you're looking at, it's Yeah. Right. And so I think the motivation factors varies. But one thing that I did want to sort of point out is uh, generationally, it's a little bit different, right? So there's actually some stats out there. A little over 30% of millennials will give a larger gift if they're also a volunteer. And it's like in the high to mid twenties for Gen X and it's a little bit lower for baby boomers. And so, but you can see that and, and you look at the motivations there and it's like, they want to be part of the community. They want to give back. They want to um, be involved in sort of changing the world. And I think you look at that millennials, I'm a elder millennial uh, myself. I know sometimes we get a bad rap that it's all about me. It's the me generation. But I think when you dive into some of those stats, it's actually, it's about me, but it's my impact, right? How can I use my skills to have a positive impact? impact on my community and on the world. There's another uh, sort of study that looks at what types of volunteer work. um, And again, looks at it generationally. And millennials want to volunteer 
the skills that they've refined. So if they're a lawyer or a doctor or an accountant, right? Or even like skilled trade, like elect electrician or things like that, they want to be able to use those skills to help a nonprofit because they've spent so much, they're proud of that. Sure. Right. Gen X and baby boomer, it flips a little bit where they're just happy to, they'll do a general task, right? So if you show up at a food pa pantry, they're going to want to just help sort sort food, what, wherever the need is. Mm -hmm. But I think where that comes in is how do you communicate and how do you segment and how do you message to these groups, right? Mm -hmm. And sort of how do you leverage that as a nonprofit leader, as a head of development, right? How do you take that information and use that to further your mission? Yeah, to really get strategic. Yeah. You mentioned Cherry and Cherry right. and I were talking earlier about really understanding what is it that your donor values or your volunteer values, right? And just like you're saying, I want to leverage my highly honed, skilled trade, whatever that may be. Mm. How can I volunteer and give that in a way that really moves the needle and makes a difference? And I've also read some studies that our younger generations want not only to volunteer, but they want to create community. They want to be a part of a giving community. Yeah. And so one of the things that I'm a big believer in is looking at monthly giving programs or programs that naturally attract people who are, you know, up and coming, who are progressing through their careers, not to the exclusion of some matures, right. um, but definitely looking at how can we create community inside of those giving circles, whether it's a monthly giving circle or a leadership level giving circle, so that they have opportunities to volunteer but to also network with one another. And when I think about, you know, the challenges that we have with staff retention and how disruptive a staff leader in, like let's just say I'm accountable for managing and leading the monthly giving program or the leadership giving circle. When I, if I turn over, sometimes it's very disruptive to those donors. But if the consistency is one another, leadership, the community, leadership, yeah, like the, the higher the retention logically would be. And I do think to your point in the direction of the leadership that Bloomerang is providing in these uh, volunteer and donor management tools is bringing those two things together. Yeah, I'm not a social psychologist, although I, you know, Play one dabble on TV. at it. Yeah, right. <laughs> But I mean, it, it is the, uh, I was talking with my colleague earlier today, and it, it is very much about um, the rules of attraction and community. We all want to be in part of community, right? There's this whole thing with social media and FOMO, and we could do a whole episode on that, but we all want to be, we want to belong, right? Yeah. And so creating space for volunteers to come together, to create that community, right? To belong, right? And then to give back into that community, is so powerful. And, and to your point, right, if there's staff turnover, but you have, a, you know, a volunteer base who kind of knows um, what to do or how to sort of further your mission, like it's almost like an, it's a little bit of insurance policy, yeah. right? It allows you to sort of move, move things forward. Yeah. And they show up for your mission, of course, right. but they also show up for one another. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's really beautiful. What strategies or methods do you recommend for segmenting volunteers? in appeals or other fundraising initiatives so that nonprofits can tell them the right story, can activate or mobilize them for the right volunteer opportunity. Mm -hmm. 
to really engage them and retain them. Right. So I'm going to do a little bit of shameless plug here. Right? Okay, Which good. Is, <laughs> like it all starts with data, right? And so you got to be able to have systems and software that sort of tie it all together, right? Because it's very hard to segment if you have your volunteers are in sort of one platform, but it's not talking to your donor database. And so how do you even look at that, right? And so I think, listen, there's a lot of really good platforms out there. Bloomery is one of them, but I always advocate, like you just, you have to have a tool that's going to be able to tie it together, right? And so I think start there. And then it's going to differ, right? I think it really is going to differ what your mission is, what you're doing, what kind of activities. But once you have that data in a system where you can then slice it and dice it and start identifying trends and seeing, you know, what is driving that, that is the magic sauce. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things that I like to talk about is looking at volunteers. You might be a high net worth individual, which you don't even know, right? So you print, you bring them into your, your donor database, into your CRM, and then you use a tool like iWaver donor search or windfall, right? So to get that wealth information and then lo and behold, like there's a person who actually has a pretty large giving capacity that you've never even reached out to. And so you want to segment those people. You probably want to, if you have a major gifts team, you want to flag that for your major gifts. Team. This person came and, you know, helped us stock the pantry or drove meals to seniors or volunteered in the classroom or helped in the lab at the, the community clinic, right? There's a propensity there to get, they are most likely, they would be willing to give, they just have to do this, right? And then the other side is like looking at who's going to be, you know, looking at donating, giving trends and whatnot, what, what could be a sustainer gift? If you look at your cohort of sustainers, what are the indicators there? And, and could some of these volunteers sort of fit in there as well? Yeah. When you think about recruiting volunteers and you think about donors, it's that same sort of cycle, right? And we call it the super supporter cycle. <laughs> it is the same thing. It just is that infinite loop. It's you do the ask, but they're a volunteer. You still got to thank them. And then you got to show how their impact helped your mission. And then you do the ask again. But maybe that second time, if you asked for volunteer hours the first time, Maybe the next time that you do that ask is for a financial contribution. Yeah. It's a cycle that just keeps going, but you as the fundraiser, or you as the volunteer coordinator have to do that ask and that kicks, that really kicks it off. Yeah. And I love identifying like, what is the criteria? What are the behaviors mm -hmm. that we want to begin highlighting and mapping for our segmentation? So you mentioned like someone who has a high net worth who might have the propensity to make gifts that could really move the needle individually. And there could be other supporters who have been giving for so long, even at modest levels. And they've been volunteering for so long. They were on the board. And, but the point is, you can identify these different behavior tracks and really begin catering and messaging to them in ways that have them feel honored and heard and seen and recognized for their incredible generosity, both in time and in dollars, or kind of walk them down that path to that super supporter, the and strategy. Right. Yeah. yeah. We have a story of a customer, a nonprofit organization that does a thrift store. Like that's part of their, how they re receive their revenue. And I believe, if I'm remembering this correctly, it was an organization that deals with the unhoused, right? Mm -hmm. uh, people experiencing homelessness. And a woman comes under the thrift store. She's a thrifter. She loves thrifting. And she, you know, she makes a purchase and she checks out this signage, right? That's like, you know, we could use volunteers and 
she's learned a little bit more about the organization, she starts volunteering. And so she volunteers and then part of the thank you, right? So they send her a thank you, you know, thank you for you volunteered X amount of hours. They, she shares more about their organization and the mission. It's that education piece. There's that thank you piece. There's that education piece. Yeah. And then there's a reply device, right? They, they, they ask her and she starts making gifts. And she becomes so intertwined and so supportive of that mission, ultimately makes a major gift of over $10,000. And it's like, this is someone who came off the street who just happened to like thrifting, right? Loves the concept of it because it saves the environment, stuff yeah. isn't going into to the landfill. And the thrill of the thrift. So, well, there's that true, right? And, and then, you know, just becomes a super support. Right. And so you just never know where you're going to find those people, but it starts with sort of you know, sharing your mission, sharing the good work that you're doing, the ask, right? The ask is key. And then thank you. Yeah. It's really beautiful. So we're here at the nonprofit storytelling conference, yeah. of course. How can nonprofits effectively double down on their storytelling to engage and retain volunteers? This is a good one. <laughs> <laughs> How can they use stories? I mean, basically what I just, you know, yeah, you we shared, shared, we shared I should have saved that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think a big part of it is like making sure that mission is always present in everything that you do. Yeah. Right. And I think when you bring volunteers in and you have a volunteer opportunity, maybe it's just stuffing envelopes, right? Or maybe it's helping sort clothing, but there's taking that opportunity to tie the work that they're doing to the mission. Because I think sometimes we miss it right? As volunteer leaders or nonprofit leaders, it's like, oh, great. I have all these, I have this army of people that's going to come yes. in and they're going to help me sort all my cans. And that's going to be great. And I'm going to be able to check that off my list. But like, are you missing the opportunity to tell your organization's story and your mission? Yeah. And I think that we do it really well in donor appeals. We do it really well in, in, in thank yous and newsletters. And it's when you tie that in with volunteers, you got to continue that through line. Right. Mm -hmm. It's being able to tell your why yeah. and why you exist and, and how that impact that that volunteer is doing is going to help you further your mission. Yeah. Josh, you're reminding me of when I was chief philanthropy officer. So I was the fundraising practitioner. And one of the tools that we used was a volunteer orientation, which most organizations do. Yeah. But we made certain to incorporate a mission tour into the volunteer orientation. So it wasn't a tour of the facility, like here's the copy room and here's, you know, the restrooms. It was, we do this work in these three areas. And we would literally tour them about, and maybe we had visual aids at certain stops on the tour. Certainly weren't showcasing clients receiving services or crossing that line into exploitive or unethical storytelling. But just really using that opportunity in the new volunteer orientation to tell the story, to have them connect. Like maybe I'm stuffing envelopes, but in the end, this is going to help raise more money in these stuffing envelopes or these foster parent recruitment flyers to further the mission to change more lives like Cody's story, right? So you make such a good point. Always closing the loop. And I think that's even true with our staff, right? We know now that for them to understand their specific role in the machine, if you will, of delivering our mission, that context is so powerful. And the same is true for volunteers. And sometimes we skip that part. Yeah. So it's a real missed opportunity. But, you know, 
Dr. Maya Angelou, one of my favorite people, and one of my favorite quotes of hers is, when we know better, we do better. So true. Yeah. So we can do better. But we all, we're always learning too, right? Yeah. Like give ourselves a little bit of grace, but it totally. is always like, how can we sort of help move that needle, right? Yeah. Learn from our past. You know, I've been in the software space now for, I guess, almost 15 years. And one of the things that I always like to talk about that I think is applicable everywhere, but software has really embraced it is fail and fail fast. Try something. It might not work. Or you bring your volunteers in and then do an ask and you may not stick the landing. But what's more important to me is that what did you learn? What did you learn from that experience? And then how can you use that learning to further your mission the next time? So brilliant. And I think in the nonprofit sector, sometimes we are very risk averse, Mm -hmm. right? At least my experience, and I've worked mostly in the children's mental health space. And so we're all about compliance and avoiding risk at all costs. And sometimes when we lose that entrepreneurial spirit, that fail faster mentality, we don't do a service to ourselves. We miss those opportunities. So I love that you said that. Yes. And I think that, especially as we're moving into the fourth quarter and people begin to think, wow, I'm so blessed. I'm so fortunate. I want to give back. Whether it's holiday shops or food distribution, there's an opportunity. There's a window that gets a little bit wider here toward the holidays and year end where we could take some risks. We could pilot some ideas. Like if you're, if you've been afraid to ask your volunteers for money, maybe this is the year to try it. Try it. And I mean, the worst thing they're going to do is say no, right? But they're still committed to your organization. There's a reason they're showing up to volunteer. Yeah. I love that. I love that. So when you think of the challenges that nonprofits typically face when trying to engage volunteers as new donors, what do you think those challenges are and, and how do we overcome them? I think the ask is the biggest thing, right? People just are afraid to that is probably the number yeah. one challenge. Yeah. What's that quote? Like, I've met the enemy and it's me. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a lot of challenges with volunteers and volunteer recruitment and like onboarding and sort of, you know, figuring out how do you staff it. And there's a lot of tech and tools and I'm happy to you know, come back and we can talk about some of that. Yes. But, you know, I think when you're looking, not a lot of people are seeing this intersection to that University of Maryland study, right? Like a lot of nonprofit leaders don't see their volunteers as donors and vice versa, but the data would say otherwise. And I think it's us overcoming this fear. I mean, when I was in the nonprofit day-to-day, I did event fundraising and I needed a lot of volunteers to, to produce an event, right? In order to keep my cost low. And I think I never thought I should be asking my volunteers to donate, right? And so I think it is this like, oh, I'm so grateful that they gave their time. Why would I ask them to do more? But there is a propensity there and it's just overcoming that fear, right? Uh, I think is in many nonprofit leaders gut to try it and do it and see what happens. Yeah. And to your point, as someone just say like you were running a lot of events and volunteers were the lifeblood. Yeah. And so there's probably a very natural tendency to protect. i got to protect these volunteers. Don't ask them for money. Yeah. But in truth, providing an opportunity. And as you said, the worst they can say is no thanks. Yeah. Yeah. But you may also plant a seed. And maybe the next time that you ask, it is the right timing. Yeah. One of the strategies I've seen work effectively is 
featuring a volunteer who, let's just say, may also be a member of your monthly giving program. Yeah. So they're a super supporter. Yeah. You could feature them in the newsletter. You know, if you're doing a quarterly, a monthly newsletter, again, just spotlighting and maybe also just illuminating for other volunteers who may be like, oh, yeah, I could also support this organization that I care so much about. I could support them financially, too. I love that. I also love that we've talked a lot about organizations who have a difficult time telling their story because their beneficiaries, their program participants are in some sort of they, they don't want to be shared, right? Like people who are experiencing homelessness or yeah. drug addiction or, you know, things along those lines or children where the beneficiaries are children. Like it's very hard to tell that story. Yes. And but a great way to be able to highlight the story is the work of the volunteer or the yeah. work of the board. Right. And like you nailed that on the head, which is right. The super supporter, get that volunteer who's also a donor to tell their story about why they're so passionate about that mission. Yeah. Put that in your newsletter, put that into your end of the year appeal. Absolutely. And it can sort of tie, you don't need the program participant. You don't need the beneficiary. You can still tell the same yeah. story just from a different lens. Absolutely. I'm thinking of, again, we relate it to our own lived experience. And as a fundraiser at the Children's Center in Detroit, Children's Mental Health and Behavioral Health, I think about some of those amazing volunteers who showed up every single week to do the homework help and the progress that they saw with these young students, the bonds that were created, how they were able to pour in to these young people to increase their confidence and their skills. And yet those volunteers would say, that youth gave me way more than I gave, right? They inspired me. They reminded me that, you know what, focus, dedication, like Anything is possible. Yeah. And that goes back to that belonging, being part of a community, right? Being able to give back. Yeah. It's reasons why people volunteer. Yeah. So Let's do that little infinity circle the together The infinity now. circle, yeah. <laughs> Think about some of the strategies that you're going to be talking about in your presentation. The strategies and practical tips and best practices for any nonprofit looking to implement a, a super supporter program, so yep. volunteerism and donor engagement simultaneously. Any additional tips or best practices that you're willing to put out into? Right yeah, spill the beans. We've covered some of them, so I'll recap yes. here. I mean, I think the number one piece, like, like, listen, you can do it with multiple softwares, but if you have software that talks to each other, that just makes it so much easier. Yeah. That seg we're going to talk about segmentation tomorrow. We're going to talk about the ask, right? That is definitely a tactic or strategy that I feel like is underlooked or people just aren't doing. Yeah. And, you know, how can you sort of tie that in? We're going to talk about thinking, right? Like how do you, and sort of the infinite in the infinite circle. So that, those are a, a number of mm -hmm. the sort of key things that we'll be sort of focusing and just diving in a little bit more tomorrow. And I think it's just also looking at the data, right? Like just being able to. You don't have to be a data scientist. I think there's like some easy, you know, sort of views, like look at your volunteers and, and their giving pattern, look at their, your volunteers and their propensity to give, right? And uh, things along those lines. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Thank you, Josh. Yeah. So helpful. If you enjoyed today's conversation and the insights that Josh has shared and want to learn more, check out the links and the resources that we have included in the show notes. Now, Josh, as you know, at the end of each episode, we like to ask a few rapid fire 
questions to provide even more value to our listeners. So are you ready? I'm ready. So first question, what's the best fundraising advice you've ever received? All right, let me think about this. I think it is, don't be afraid of the ask. I think as, as a newbie fundraiser, right? I think that's, it, that ask can be daunting, uh, but you're never gonna know what the answer is unless you make that ask. And that can be for money and that could be for time and that could be for any sort of other resource. And yeah. you just gotta sort of embrace it because the worst case th thing they're gonna do is say no. Yeah. And then you move on and yeah, you keep asking. I so. love that, Josh. I mean, truly, it is just an invitation. Yeah, it is. It's an invitation. Join me. Join me in this mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have a friend who was one of the founders of the Tiffany Circle. So the major mega women's giving circle for the American Red Cross. And she said, the two most powerful words in philanthropy are join me. Oh, love that, Josh. What book do you recommend to our audience and why? Yeah, so a lot of good books out there, but I think one that I always go back to is Simon Sinek, Start With Why. Yeah. And I think it spans business, it spans nonprofits. If you don't know why you're doing something, then how can you, how do you know what the how and the what is? And, and you know, Simon dives in and there's a lot of psychology that goes to that, but it's, you really need to know why, why are you fundraising? What is the mission that you're driving for? And then you can figure out how you're going to get there and what is it that you're building? Excellent. I think that's an amazing book and I found value in even rereading it, mm -hmm. right? So good. What are the three most important traits a successful fundraiser must possess? I think number one is passion. Mm -hmm. And I want to be really clear here. Passion shouldn't mean you're being paid less. <laughs> Thank you. You should be showing up and you should be passionate about the mission and you should be getting equitable pay. So very yes. clear on that. It is empathy. I think there's a lot of hats that nonprofit leaders and nonprofit professionals do. And I think just having empathy to one another, to your donors and to your program participants. I think the last one is transparency. And I, transparency can go a lot of ways, but I think, you know, we all make mistakes. And I think just being very transparent about why things happened. And it goes back to, you know, fail fast, right? We tried something, it didn't work. Okay, great. We learned this. Be transparent about it. And no one's going to fault you for trying something new. And so I think, yeah, passion, empathy, transparency. Awesome. What's your favorite fundraising application or tool? And you can be shameless here. It's okay. I mean, let me think about this one. Bloomerang, obviously. Bloomerang. Bloomerang, you know, offers donor database, online fundraising, volunteer management, a ton of great reporting. And the best part is it's really easy. We've designed it to be super easy for any level of fundraiser, but still has that power punch that gets you what you need to be a successful fundraiser. Yeah, absolutely. What's your favorite conference and why? I mean, obviously the nonprofit storytelling <laughs> conference. Here we are. Here we are. We wouldn't be here together if it weren't being the nonprofit storytelling. I mean, there's a lot of really great conferences. Yeah. There. I think I have the, I am very lucky in the job that I do and I get to go to a number of conferences and I think just bringing fundraisers together is so exciting. It, it fuels me. I come back from these conferences exhausted, <laughs> but with so many great ideas. And so I think. If you're a fundraiser, I would also sort of make a plug. Make sure that your boss, whether that's the development director or the CEO, is building in professional development money for you. 
And there are a ton of really local conferences. You know, AFP does a really good job at that. A lot of the statewide associations have a super reasonable conferences, but just get in a room with other fundraisers and I think you'll come away with a ton of great ideas that will help your uh, organization uh, propel towards its mission. Yeah, beautiful. Knowing what you know now about fundraising, what advice would you give your younger self just getting started in the profession? I was a perfectionist in the beginning, and I think I was very, I was was establishing my reputation. I was, you know, just getting in here and I was afraid to fail. And it's why I now look back and say, um, it's okay as long as you can figure out why and you can learn from it. And so I think my younger self was just, you know, very regimented. What is it? Don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Mm, yes. I, I love that. Collins, right? Yeah, Good I, to great. Yeah. And then the other one is like progress versus perfection. Progress, not perfection. Yeah. One of my mantras, I say it daily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're dealing with sometimes very sensitive topics and yes. we're really, you know, big issues. But if you don't try and you don't sort of put one foot after another and sort of, you know, start making progress, what's the point? And so I think we sometimes get in our head, and I did when I was younger, (laughs) that I had to nail it. And, you know, I think it held me back a little bit. And so once I was able to overcome that, it sort of allowed me to simplify. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Josh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for all the work that you do. And for our uh, listeners out there, you are the true heroes. Like we could not be doing the work that we do without, without the commitment that you do to the missions that you drive towards in each and every one of your communities. So thank you for tuning in. Yeah. Amazing. If you want to learn more about Josh Bloomerang or donor and volunteer engagement, we've included links in the show notes, as well as links to the other resources that we've talked about today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Intentional Fundraiser Podcast. Keep on transforming your fundraising so you can transform the world. The Intentional Fundraiser Podcast is a Fundraising Transformed original. It's hosted by me, Tammy Zonker, founder and president of Fundraising Transformed, where we help equip and empower fundraisers, nonprofit leaders, and board members to transform their fundraising so they can transform the world. Visit fundraisingtransformed.com slash podcast to subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to my newsletter to get fundraising lessons, tools, and helpful resources delivered straight to your inbox each month. If you want my help with taking your fundraising to the next level, become a member of my Fundraising Transformers community as a growth member and join me live each month where I'll teach you the same strategies I use to lead, train, and coach thousands of nonprofits, social service organizations, healthcare foundations, private schools, colleges, and universities to collectively raise more than a half billion dollars including a single gift of $27.1 million. As a member, you can participate in my Ask Me Anything sessions every month and get answers to your burning questions. Chat with other growth members inside our private and safe online community about what you're working on, struggling with, and share lessons learned. And get instant access to my growing library of on-demand self-paced training classes. New content is added every single month. Learn more about becoming a member at fundraisingtransform.com slash growth.
Talk soon.